from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't like who I could. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work. Swing and a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again. And the stories everyone is talking about. We got it. This is the Blitz at Six. Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, March 30th. Hopefully everybody is staying safe and sound out there. They're still working from home under quarantine. You're learning a lot about the people you live with, of course, at this time. But also, for those who don't have anybody right now and are feeling lonely, there are people out there for you. There's a support system out there for you. 710 wants to be there for you, too. Alongside with you during all of this, our sister station, 97.3, available for you on the news side. But as much as we can, trying to provide you with uh, some sports and a little distraction here during this time ahead in this hour. We'll talk about how the coronavirus is impacting all of the leagues and when they might get back to play, if possible. The NFL talking about the draft in April, planning on it going ahead as scheduled, but a lot of people, including a lot of GMs, taking issue with that. So we'll discuss that, plus the NBA when they might get back to action. The Olympics, we've now heard, will be postponed until next year. So what does that look like? It's all ahead in this hour right now. Let's get to your headlines. Well, according to Roger Goodell and a memo that he sent out late last week, the NFL draft will go on as planned, as scheduled, April 23rd to the 25th. He distributed this to the league in a memo last week. Adam Schefter obtained a copy of ESPN and uh, talked about it. Goodell warned against public comment on this decision in the memo, saying, quote, public discussion of issues relating to the draft service serves no useful purpose and is grounds for disciplinary action. Uh, He also said the NFL Management Council Executive Committee met late last week and was unanimous in their decision to move forward with the draft as it was planned, despite concerns of the coronavirus pandemic. He did acknowledge there would have to be changes and alterations made and told teams to prepare to conduct the draft outside team facilities with a limited number of people. Prospects and their families, of course, will not be present on site at the draft, as is typical, according to the memo. Um, Goodell saying he believes that the draft can serve a very positive purpose for our clubs, our fans, and the country at large, and many of you have agreed. Uh, Of course, this is usually normally a huge media production, not only with the draft itself, but leading up to it. And so this kind of an unprecedented time, of course, in sports for everyone. But the draft, one of the biggest events of in the NFL, was scheduled to be in Las Vegas of all places, too, this year. So a really huge production. But those plans were dropped 10 days ago when the league announced it would not be open to the public. Earlier uh, this week, league sources telling ESPN that the league planned to hold the draft as scheduled despite a recommendation from the league's general manager subcommittee that it be moved back. So general managers really taking issue with this, and that might be why one of these memos leaked or Adam Schefter was able to obtain this copy because of purportedly GM's concern that in the current environment with off-season activities canceled, team facilities closed, uh, that there won't be enough time for them to gather information whether on the players, whether that's physicals 
or psychological testing or getting further verified information about the players and then having more risk involved in the draft process for them. Um, In addition to having logistical challenges for some teams, having to conduct the draft from home, just a pure communication uh, issues. On the Peter King podcast, he kind of talked about both sides of this, and he talked about how the NFL draft will not happen when Goodell says it will, at least in his opinion. The NFL draft is not going to happen the days that Roger Goodell says it's happening. Because by every single thing you have and you read says every this pandemic is going to affect the United States and it's really going to reach its peak around April the 15th to April 20th. Everything that's happening right now, the cat has been out of the bag to a certain extent. And the fact that we don't think that we're naive to think that there's not going to be more owners like James Dolan. Not that there's not going to be more players. There's not going to be more front office people that are going to be affected by this. And in the midst of this, if you think that the NFL draft is going forward... It's not. And so for Roger Goodell to say, all right, it's happening at this day, I'm not upset at that because I do think that he could at least put a date out there and be prepared for it and bump it back. But I'm telling you right now, if I was a gambling person, there's no way on April 23rd that it happens at that point. On the other side of it, Dan Orlovsky, who you can see all over the place now, talked about GMs, how he thinks that they should suck it up. General managers. Stop being babies and making excuses. Do your job. Thank you. Like if you, Thank you. If you don't know if a guy can play by now, you think you're going to find something out over the next month? Like, come on. And, and I understand the character questions. Here's the thing. If you've got character questions, don't draft them. It's that easy. Don't, if you don't want to draft them because you have character questions, don't draft them. Maybe look at their social media. Make some phone calls. Do things a little bit differently. Maybe have to do things a little bit more uh, more difficult than you've been accustomed to in the past, but adapt and adjust because those same general managers are going to sit there and cut players because they, hey, you just didn't adapt the way we wanted you to, or you you weren't able to adjust the way we. How about you guys do it for a change? Elsewhere in the sports world, the Tokyo Olympics they have an official rescheduled date. They will open next year in the same exact time slot they were scheduled for this year. Tokyo organizers said Monday today the opening ceremony will take place on July 23, 2021, almost exactly one year after the games were due to start this year. Last week, the IOC and Japanese organizers talked about postponement, but it was more of a general conversation and a time slot in 2021. So now we have an official date to that. This year's games were scheduled to open on July 24th and close on August 9th, but uh, near one year delay will have them closing on August 8th. So just one day off of that. There had been switch of or talk of switching the Olympics to the spring, but that would mean it would clash with European soccer, North American sports leagues. So the timing of that important for viewership, uh, especially now considering there'll be significant costs to this postponement. It's the first postponement in Olympic history, though there were several cancellations during wartime as well. And the Paralympics were rescheduled to August 24th, September through September 5th. Um, They talked about calculating the costs of what it would mean to postpone the Olympics, a huge portion, most of which is coming out of Japanese taxpayers' 
wallets. Um, the cost of rescheduling will be massive, according to officials. The estimate is in the billions of dollars, with most of that, again, fronted by Japanese taxpayers. Japan is officially spending $12.6 billion to organize the Olympics, but an audit bureau of the Japanese government says the costs are actually twice that much. All of the spending is public money except $5.6 billion, which is from privately funded operating budget. Switzerland-based... Uh, IOC, the International Olympic Committee, is also contributing $1.3 billion, but still uh, could be in the multiple millions or billions of dollars that uh, end, it ends up costing Japanese taxpayers here. Ryan Murphy, three-time Olympic gold medalist, talked about how he had mixed feelings in this time about the prospect of postponement and how it would be performing without any fans. I've had so many mixed emotions in this time period. I, I mean, like the, the human side of me realizes that, that we, we totally have to support the medical community in, in this time. The competitor side of me loves to compete. So it is a, a total conflict of emotions. I, I mean, I, I totally do understand where, where LeBron is, is coming from. And if it's safe for everyone, I mean, why not? Why not give, give people some, some entertainment? Major League Baseball owners approved a plan to address salary and service time issues uh, during the coronavirus pandemic and the fact that the there's an indefinite delay to the start of the regular season. This happened late last week. The owners completing an agreement between the MLB and the players union two weeks after the negotiations that involved players, owners, agents, executives, union officials, and commissioner's office staff. But as part of the agreement, the players in MLB primarily agreed that the 2020 season will not start until each of the following conditions are met. There are no bans on mass gatherings that would limit the ability to play in front of fans. However, the commissioner could still consider the use of appropriate substitute neutral sites where economically feasible. We'll get back to that in just a minute. But there are no travel restrictions throughout the United States and Canada. That's also a stipulation here. And finally, that medical experts determined that there would be no health risk for players, staff, or fans, with the commissioners and unions still able to revisit the idea of playing in empty stadiums. Jeff Passan on what the MLB needs in place before it can kick off their season. You know, baseball has outlined three things that it wants to happen before it can return to play. The first is that there is a lift on mass gather, lift of the ban on mass gatherings. Second is that they want to be able to ensure the safety and health of everyone, whether it's fans or patrons at the stadium. Uh, and the third thing is that they want to know they want to know for sure that there are no travel restrictions in place. Now, uh, both sides wanting to play as many games as they possibly can and may make some concessions uh, when able to do so, whether that means extending the regular season, playing in neutral site playoff games in November, adding double headers to the schedule. But players pushed also to receive a full year of service time, which counts days towards free agency, arbitration, pension, even in the event of a canceled season. When MLB agreed to that, that's when this deal was really able to happen. Now, for instance, if you are the Dodgers right now and you uh, acquired Mookie Betts, uh, you might be in a possible uh, tough scenario. The agreement between MLB and the MLBPA grants players a full year of service this year, regardless of whether they play a game or not. And if Mookie Betts gets another year of service, he is a free agent. So the, the doomsday scenario between that 
And between the All-Star game, which is supposed to happen at Dodger Stadium, not happening this year, really does make this a potentially bad year for the Dodgers. Just this year? I don't know. Uh, It's been a couple of tough years after everything came out about the Astros as well. Up next on The Blitz, Danny O'Neill joins the conversation. I'm excited to talk with him. It's next on The Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, March 30th. Hopefully be able to grab Danny O'Neill here in a minute, but until then, Doug Baldwin, fan favorite here in Seattle. He was on with Bob, Dave, and Moore last week at the end of the week. Here was Doug. Sorry, it took me a while to call in. We're a little busy over here. No, we, we appreciate you doing it, man. We know you got a lot going on, and, and as we were talking about you to open the show, you've always been... You've always been fun. You've always been a guy. You'd step into the room with us when we were doing the huddle. You'd come on and talk about the quarterback and the know-it-all, and it was it was a lot of fun, always making us laugh. Uh, but so we we appreciate you spending a few minutes here to talk about what you've got going in the community uh, during what is obviously a really trying time for everybody out there. For listeners that aren't aware of what you're doing, uh, just just give everybody a little heads up about Family First Community Center in Renton and how you're involved. Yeah. So. I appreciate you guys giving me the uh, the time and space to come chat with you for a little bit. But, um, you know, I, I think you guys know we've been working diligently on getting a community center built uh, in Renton in the Cascade-Benson area. Um, and obviously with everything that's going on in the world right now, um, construction and those plans have been put on hold. And so uh, a few weeks ago we decided that we would just pivot and put all of our resources and and manpower towards, you know, helping the community during this time as we continue to see a growing need of, of, you know, just support in a number of areas. And so right now we're focused on, you know, immediately I I put out a request for volunteers to help us deliver meals to seniors and the more vulnerable in our our community. Uh, But that need drastically um, changed and, and expanded as we started to work through it. And so now now we're delivering meals to schools and to different organizations as well as individuals and families who are needing this money. As you can imagine, you know, the, the economic implications of all of this is really what's causing a lot of the, uh, the heartache um, on top of the fact that we're dealing with the pandemic. So, you know, that's what we're doing right now. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously... Uh, we are taking volunteers, although we, we have, it's been an incredible response from the community in terms of volunteer service. Um, so we're, we're utilizing those volunteers right now. Uh, we know that the, the demand is going to grow, especially in, in eastern Washington. So, you know, we're going to start recruiting out in Yakima and Spokane and also in the Tri-Cities because we're starting to see demand grow there as well. Um, and then obviously taking in donations. I mean, all those donations, 100% of the donations will go towards fighting this this pandemic and helping the community. And you can do all of that by going to the familyfirstrenton.org website and either signing up or donating. Um, yeah, so I make sure I make that plug real quick. Familyfirstrenton.org. Is that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. So, Doug, let me ask you this. Uh, and my kids always tell me that I compare everything to football. And so I'm going to continue to do that. How gratifying is this for you to do uh, com- compared to, you know, what you did on the field? 
Um, I don't know if gratifying is, is the right word. I just, you know, I think a, a, a lot of people in the community have um, have seen the need, and you know, there's. I've said this a number of times. There's so many amazing organizations. You know, one of them is Safeway that I've been working with hand in hand, and I don't think uh, a lot of people realize um, the incredible work they do in the community. Um, and so just being able to partner with them in a number of organizations like Northwest Harvest, like Feast, like Right at Schools, um, even in, even some of these um, uh, commercial organizations, commercial companies that are, you know, there, there's a, a company called Benchmark Motors. They, you know, they work on vehicles and, and customizations, and now they're spinning out um, face shields for our health workers. Uh, and so it's just, you know, it's just, I guess that part is rewarding to see the community come together and all these like-minded, passionate people um, coming together as a team for a common goal. And, you know, to use a, a football analogy, you know, that was one of the things that I was always uh, so uh, thrilled with as, as a Seahawk was, you know, b- being able to be part of a team and building that cohesiveness to go out and accomplish our goals. And it's very similar, although the stakes are much higher in this case. So. Um, in that regard, I, I guess I am, um, you know, I'm blessed and pleased to be working in this field in some ways. That was Doug Baldwin on with Bob, Dave, and more. So cool to hear from him and, of course, still doing incredible work in the community here. The Family First Foundation was what Doug was mentioning, so be sure to check that out if possible. Up next on The Blitz, uh, we'll hopefully get Danny O'Neill on the line and also some of the best things that happened last week on 710 ESPN. It's next on The Blitz, right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. You're listening to The Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio. Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Monday, March 30th. Hoping everybody is staying safe out there. Last week on Danny and Gallant, Jerry Depoto joined Danny. Last week on Seven Ten, uh, Jerry Depoto joined Danny and Gallant to talk about the as of now postponed twenty twenty season and what it's like being a GM of a cl- uh, being a GM of a club at this time. Here was Jerry on Danny and Gallant. Has everything been put in a holding pattern for your baseball operations? Uh, you know, I think that goes for most of the society we're living in, and, and baseball is just a branch of that. So the simple answer is yes. We're, you know, for for us, we are we are doing our best to communicate every day, and that goes from from executive level through staff to to our players, what we're doing and programming with our minor leaguers. But there are you know, a ton of variables that, that we're dealing with that, frankly, we've never dealt with before. And we're doing our best to, to try to adapt to those as they surface and, and understand that this could be a lengthy layoff and, and we're, we're focused on keeping our players healthy and, and we'll worry about baseball when it's time to worry about baseball. Yeah, we're all, and I think there's not there's not a person in this country that's not being affected in some way or other, whether it's the uncertainty over health care or their own personal health or... F- Economically, I found myself thinking about your team. You've got a lot of young players who are really looking ahead to a season for, in some cases, guys that hadn't started a major league season before. So in, in the overall scheme of things, it's probably not 
super important, but that's got to be really disappointing for them. How have you guys stayed in touch, especially with your younger players? Because you are one of the younger teams in the league. You know, we broke into, and this dates back to, to when the group first started to break up. I mean, it, it's it's amazing how quickly everything escalated, but we were playing a night game in spring training against the Padres when, when this really started to, uh, I guess, become a, a, a more notable issue in our world, and yeah. or at least in, in the United States. So uh, from that moment, that was a Tuesday night in Peoria. By Friday, we were, we were breaking the group up and sending them home. So, you know, and by Monday, we had virtually 80% of our players already out the door. So we have broken into groups. Our coaching staff has been given a, a call list. They touch base with our players, you know, on a weekly basis. Our trainers and medical people touch base with our players either via phone call or a text every day to make sure that they are healthy and feeling good. And then we have put together, you know, we've got our biomechanists and, and they take care of pitching and hitting. They have combined with our, our hitting and pitching coaches and put together programs virtually for any scenario where a, a player has access to a home gym and is able to, to get out in the backyard on a on a regulation mound and has a catcher, which seems uh, unlikely in, in dealing with the variables, down to they've got nothing but a six-by-six-foot space and no equipment to deal with. How do we keep them as close to, to, to the floor of their baseball maintenance as we can? And, and that's been a challenge, but it, it's also been a lot of fun to see how creative our people are along the way. What's the most creative idea that's been floated? The most creative idea, I would say, is a, a weighted sock. Uh, so as long as you've got a pair of socks and we can somehow find something, you know, to, to weigh that sock down and we'll effectively use duct tape because duct tape works for everything. Duct tape it to the hand and, and effectively keep your, your shoulder moving and, and maintain some type of laxity in the joints by just going through the throwing motion with a weighted sock in your hand that you just never get rid of. And it, it, uh, it, it certainly helps <clears throat> to, to stop adhesions from building up, certainly not going to, to enable you to stay ready to throw 120 pitches next Tuesday, but, but we're doing the best we can. I like that idea of having pitchers with kind of a club hand in some respects of a, a weighted <laughs> sock tape to it so they can kind of kind of go around. But that actually makes a lot of sense to be able to keep some weight and, and, and preserve your, your throwing motion in some way. It's, it's been challenging. And, you know, we have one of the things that, and it, it happens to coincide with the, the, the real escalation of the, the coronavirus crisis we started using Microsoft Teams, you know, which is a video meeting or a virtual meeting center, and we're, we're using it every day, uh, virtually every hour of every day. One of our departments is, is on just visiting with one another, seeing, seeing the faces, hearing new ideas. And, and, you know, like you mentioned in the open, we, we really don't know the answer to a lot of questions. We're just trying to prepare as best we can for, for the inevitable, which is that we will play baseball again. We just don't quite know when that's going to be. That was Mariners uh, GM, head of baseball ops, uh, Jerry Depoto on Danny and Gallant. Full interview available 
online, 710sports.com. But it's great to hear that just because we are social distancing uh, doesn't mean we have to lose out on that connection, especially if you play on a team as part of your profession. So glad that they're still making those connections and uh, continuing their work, even if it is really creative. All you need is a weighted sock, apparently. Uh, Albert Breer also joined John Clayton last week to talk about things in the NFL. And Roger Goodell issuing that memo last Thursday saying that things would proceed as planned for the NFL draft. But how, on a whole, is the league handling? How do you kind of sum up what where the NFL is right now and how it's handled everything through the virus? Yeah, John, I mean, I think, you know, uh, the the teams are doing what they can, and it's really difficult on them because, as you know, um, this is a huge period of information gathering for them um, on the on on the draft prospects. And so they're gathering medical information. They're gathering information on who these guys are as people. You know, there's bigger concerns with some guys than others. Um, you know, and and they're 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 gathering testing information on some of them, and so. Um, you know, I think the teams are doing business as they can right now. It's just difficult with the facilities closed. And so a lot of these teams are doing things remotely. And, um, you know, that part, I think, is challenging for everybody. And, you know, the league office, of course, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious here that they see opportunity in being the only game in town right now. And, uh, and so they're seizing on that, which... I mean, we can argue until we're blue in the face over whether or not that's the right thing to do. But, you know, clearly they're determined to go through with the draft at the end of April, um, despite what I think a lot of pushback from people who are, you know, on the football operations side um, with teams. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be a nice diversion for everybody at the end of April, whether it's the right thing for the people who are working for these teams and the draft prospects themselves, I, I think is – is an open question. Well, and the, the thing is, because I initially thought it would be wise to push free agency back a bit, and now I look uh, like I'm wrong because, you know, can you imagine had you waited a week and now you're in a position where the physicians are pretty much eliminated from the from everything, you know, so all the deals, because we've had about 235 deals that have been done in the first week of free agency, and, you know, a lot of those deals yeah. wouldn't happen, and a, even more of them would fall apart because, you know, there was this big rush over the weekend to get as many guys who agreed to contracts to get some kind of physicals now that's eliminated and now what's going to happen is when guys finally get a chance to report take the physical some of these deals are going to fall apart yeah yeah i mean that's the thing is and and, you know it's i mean you think about that right like so some of these deals fall apart obviously michael brocker's deal was one with the high ankle sprain that is a pretty high profile one but i think you know it won't be the last one um, you know, and then I, I think that the the really hard thing is, like, when you get to the draft, there's no undoing that. You know what I mean? Like, there's no undoing what, what what's going to be done at the end of April. And so, you know, in some cases you have teams that are going to be making multi-million dollar decisions. Like, you know, if you're the Dolphins or the Chargers, you're drafting five and six. Um, and we're going back to a Tungavaloa who's had multiple ankle surgeries, who had a hip surgery, like, how do you approach that when your team doctor can't get his hands on the guy? That's hard, and that's a multi-million dollar decision that each of these teams is going to have to make. Um, and it could be a decision that winds up determining the future of the head coach in those places, the general managers in those places, and that's tough. And then on the flip side of it, John, like, think about this, right? Think about the fifth or sixth round pick, the prospective fifth or sixth round pick who maybe didn't get invited to the combine, right? 
So that guy doesn't have a physical right now. Say that guy has some injury history from college. How do you think teams are going to look at that guy? They'll do their homework on Tua, right? But that kid who's a, maybe a fifth or sixth round pick, maybe that guy falls out of the draft altogether, has trouble finding a home after the draft, because teams don't have medical information on him, extend the time, and they say, with all this work we have to do, we can't like spend the time that it's going to take to do our full research on a kid who goes who's going to go in the sixth round. And so I think it's going to touch a lot of different levels. You know, it's going to touch the head coaches and the general managers, and it's going to go all the way down to the guys who are borderline draftable. Um, that could be affected by all this in the way that we at least plans for it to go down. Well, what I'm wondering about is, <clears throat> you know, you got a guy like John Snyder, who's one of the best as far as maneuvering in the draft and trading down and all that stuff. In the uh, time to do this, can can you even try to make too many trade downs? Because Please. you know, the, you're you're not in an office with 20 people uh, with a conference room and a speaker and all that stuff. I mean, you got guys all working from home. And that's that's the other part of it. I mean. You know, there are certain teams where, and look, like, John's one of the best as far as this goes. And I know, you know, he comes from that Ron Wolf tree where, you know, Ron Wolf, like, let all his scouts see everything, right? So the area scouts would be in the draft room on draft day. And, you know, John's always had, like, kind of this, you know, sort of, uh, like, this all-in feel. That would obviously be hard to bring a number of people together for resources that you'd have on hand at your facility how do you make sure that those are sort of available to you want to go <laughs> talking about, which is the communication piece of it and being able to communicate team to team and all of that. And so, you know, it's just it's going to make for a very, very different environment on draft day. And I, I personally think that there's enough there where, you know, the league should say to itself, it makes sense for us to push it back. But clearly – like right now, they're not of a mind to do that. No. That was Albert Breer on with John Clayton. Full interview online for you as well, 710sports.com. Up next on the Blitz, though, it's time for the hot list. While everything might seem like it's at a standstill, we still have some NFL free agency news to update you on. Also, the latest on how the coronavirus is affecting leagues. Pay cuts at a lot of places, a lot of players voluntarily taking them to help support uh, other workers within teams, though. So some good news as well. I'll explain. It's next on the Hot List right here on 710 ESPN Seattle. From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at 6.45. Heck yes! What are we missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go! New York Mets right-hander Noah Syndergaard underwent successful Tommy John surgery on Thursday. The Mets announced earlier in the week that the hard-throwing 27-year-old would need the surgery, and he's now expected to return sometime during the 2021 season, keeping in mind we still have no official start date for this season. So it's not the first player we've heard who wanted and elected to have the surgery because of need in this time, including Chris Sale, another of the big names out there with so much uncertainty. Might as well get it done now and work back to that return. 
Syndergaard threw a career-high 197 and two-thirds innings last season for someone that has been hampered by injuries in the past. That was a really good sign health-wise for him, although his ERA was a career-worst 4.28. Injuries in the past wiped out most of Syndergaard's 2017 season, shortened 2018 for him. And this year, he was planned to be, along with some big names, uh, he had uh, Jake DeGrom and Marcus Stroman atop the Mets rotation. That's a pretty good one-two-three punch. Also, Steven Matz, Rick Porcello, and Michael Waka, since coming over from the Cardinals, filling out some of those spots as well. So, once again, the Mets rotation looking like it was going to be pretty dominant. But now, Thor undergoing this surgery and getting ready for 2021. Well, this is a pretty cool story. Fanatics which many of us sports fans have ordered something from at some time or another when it comes to the gear from our favorite sports team. Uh, The manufacturer uniforms for Major League Baseball as well. And they have now suspended production on jerseys and instead have dedicated their factory and their fabric to making masks and gowns for hospitals in Pennsylvania and nearby states. That's where their factory is. Um, It's 360,000 foot square foot facility in Easton, Pennsylvania. And now they've dedicated it to fighting COVID-19, which is pretty cool. A local hospital in Pennsylvania reached out to Fanatics late last week about the possibility of manufacturing masks. We know there have been a shortage on them and uh, they reached out to them directly. Fanatics then developed a prototype that was approved by the state's emergency agency and by, you know, a couple days later, they had halted production on all baseball jerseys and had started producing emergency gear. So cool story. You know, the silver linings in this is uh, the generosity that people have expressed, including including them. So it's cool. Lionel Messi said Barcelona's players were surprised that people inside the club wanted them or would pressure them into taking wage cuts but did confirm that the team is happy to take 70% a hit on their salaries due to the coronavirus pandemic. Messi, arguably one of the most, maybe the most famous athlete in the world. He was number one on Forbes' top making athletes in 2019 ahead of Cristiano Ronaldo. But Messi also said the players will make an additional contribution so that none of the non-sporting staff's earnings will be reduced during Spain's state of emergency, which has been in place in the country since March 12th. Spain's been one of the worst-hit countries by the COVID-19 pandemic. The latest figures that were released today revealed there have been over 85,000 infections in the country and over 7,000 deaths. Um, But uh, Messi also saying he made these comments on social media in the name of the first-name players, but... uh, Barcelona has now confirmed that an agreement has been reached for the players to take a temporary hit to their wages as the club tries to deal with the final financial impact of the coronavirus crisis. We've got a couple of free agency headlines for you. The Detroit Lions agreeing to a contract with wide receiver Geronimo Allison, one of the coolest names in sports. They announced that on Sunday, Allison agreed to a one-year deal for the veterans minimum, just under a million dollars, nine hundred and ten thousand dollars, um, according to ESPN's report, that it also includes a signing bonus of one hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars. Allison spent last season with the Green Bay Packers. We know that all too well here in Seattle. They brought him back on a one-year, two point eight million dollar deal. 
with the thought that he could move into their number two wide receiver slot vacated by Randall Cobb. Never really emerged in that role, unfortunately, though, for them. Despite playing every game, the 26-year-old finished sixth on the team with 34 receptions, had four drops. Uh, He could end up being Detroit's number four receiver, at least competing with Marvin Hall, Chris Lacey, besides some of the more well-known names, including Danny Amendola, Kenny Galladay, and Marvin Jones. He doesn't have a ton of special teams experience, though, so when you're fighting for a roster spot, that could make things interesting. The Kansas City Chiefs are re-signing wide receiver Demarcus Robinson to a one-year deal as well. A lot of one-year deals happening right now, but Robinson's production increased each season after he uh, made the starting rotation for Kansas City. He'll turn 26 in September, was a fourth-round draft pick in 2016, but played mostly as special teams early on his career. Uh, Last season, though, big week two for him. Tyreek Hill was out with an injury. He had six catches for 172 yards and two touchdowns in their win over the Raiders, the eventual Super Bowl champions. Washington also signed veteran corner Ronald Darby to a one-year deal worth $4 million. Clubs, of course, sort of the trepidation during this time. You're not able to get uh, full physicals and things, so a lot of these one-year deals coming down. But Washington signing veteran corner Ronald Darby to a one-year deal worth $4 million, according to ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Washington uh, unloaded two of their corners last season, cut Josh Norman before free agency, and then traded, of course, corner Quinton Dunbar, who comes to Seattle. He was on 710 last week. And what was his reaction to the trade to Seattle? Uh, I was kind of surprised at, um, at first, but, I mean, kind of like, you know, a great situation for me, so I'm actually, like I said, I'm glad to be here. I, I feel like I'm right, uh, right with those guys with my mentality. I just want to just come in and, and play ball and help the team any way I can. How much he knows about Seattle and the way they play defense here? I mean, I know everything about them. I mean, I grew up, I was still in, in college watching those guys. I mean, I wasn't a DB at the time, but, you know, uh, the Legion of Boom, watching Cam Chancellor and uh, Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman, which I, you know, when I made that transition, I watched a lot of film on Winter Sherman and things of that nature. So, you know, I, I mean, I know they got great history back there, and I'm just looking forward to being a part of that secondary and helping however I can. Dunbar might look similar in frame and stature to Richard Sherman. He is six foot two, weighs just over 200 pounds. Sherm, six foot three, 195. But uh, and there's been plenty of those comparisons at least in in certain categories and Dunbar said that he respects Sherman but he is his own person oh yeah of course like I said I, I you know I respect Richard Sherman I feel like he, he's been one of the best in the game for a while but I'm I'm, I'm no Richard Sherman I'm, I'm quitting Dunbar I'm my own man he's his own person he has said that he has watched a lot of Sherman on film and that he incorporates it into his game when making that transition I did watch a lot of his film and I actually you know I'm I'm not new to, you know, as far as like, you know, some of the things that they do in Seattle, which I kind of already implemented in my game with the uh, kick, with the uh, step kick and stuff like that, because I have, uh, you know, I work with coaches who've been over there, you know, that I knew for a while since I was kid, was a kid, uh, Michael and Manu, which, which he followed Dan Quinn in Atlanta. So, you know, like I said, I kind of implemented some of those things in my game years ago, you know, so I, like I said, I'm just... You know, just looking to go out there and help the team whichever way I can. 
I like that. He also said the thing that he's best at outside of football is being a dad and advising everybody to stay safe in this time. So what's he doing at home with his daughter? Uh, maybe watching a popular movie. Whether it's just playing with her, playing games with her karaoke. She got a new karaoke machine she likes. So listen to her sing and things like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you have a go-to karaoke song? No, it's, it, I mean, I don't be on the mic with her. She loves Elsa, so she be singing a lot. Elsa song. So, so I let it go. Listen. Yeah, let it go. Let it go. She's playing. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like you have a voice spin. Maybe you should hop on there. That's what I'm saying. The NFL draft will go on as scheduled April 23rd to 25th. According to Commissioner Roger Goodell, he said that in a league-wide memo that was distributed late last week, and a copy was obtained by Adam Schefter. Goodell, in that memo, warned against public comment on his decision to go with Ahead with things as planned, he wrote in the memo, quote, public discussion of issues relating to the draft serves no useful purpose and is grounds for disciplinary action, which might explain why a memo of this, uh, a copy of this memo was leaked because some of the NFL GMs upset with that decision to continue on as scheduled April 23rd, April 25th because of concerns surrounding the coronavirus pandemic. Now, we knew 10 days ago that it would not proceed as planned in Las Vegas with it not being open to the public. Uh, draft Draftees wouldn't be there in person with their families. But now um, this creates both a logistical impediment for a lot of teams where they have to conduct the draft off-site and perhaps from their home, which could be relatively unprecedented. We've never seen anything like that, really. Uh, but that could create some communication challenges for teams. Also, a lot of general man- managers concerned that they're not able to do the necessary prep work, whether that's gathering information on players, physicals, getting psychological testing, further verified information. On the Peter King podcast, uh, he talked about how... Um, or actually, sorry, this is Dan Orlovsky speaking on ESPN. He actually talked about how, in his mind, GMs need to suck it up. General managers, stop being babies and making excuses. Do your job. Thank you. Like if Thank you, you if you don't know if a guy can play by now, you think you're going to find something out over the next month? Like, come on. And, and I understand the character questions. Here's the thing: if you got character questions, don't draft them. It's that easy. Don't if you don't want to draft them because you have character questions, don't draft them. Maybe look at their social media, make some phone calls, do things a little bit differently. Maybe have to do things a little bit more uh, more difficult than you've been accustomed to in the past. But adapt and adjust because those same general managers are going to sit there and cut players because they hey, you just didn't adapt the way we wanted you to. Or you, you weren't able to adjust the way we – how about you guys do it for a change? The Tokyo Olympics will open next year in the same time slot scheduled for this year's games. Tokyo announcer said today the opening ceremony will take place on July 23rd, 2021, almost exactly one year after the games were due to start this year. We knew that they would be postponed uh, last week, the IOC and Japanese organizers saying that we'd have to wait till 2021. There was some discussion about perhaps pushing it to the spring, but that would also conflict with European soccer and North American sports leagues. So the decision was just push it back an entire year. They'll close just uh, within a day of what was scheduled to be closed this year. So almost an exact year postponement for that. That's a wrap for the hot list and the entire Blitz at 6 Hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way next right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.